0: We wait. There's so many things that go on in our lives with the Lord that occur without us knowing it. There's things that happen to us just because we're spending time in His Word. There's things that go on inside of our mind, uh, not only in our thinking, but in our spirits, because we're spending time with Him and He's changing us. We're living a transformed life. Um, the best way to explain our life in Christ is Romans 12, 1 and two, isn't it? It's a metamorphosis. No longer am I being conformed to the things around me. I'm being transformed by the things he's doing in me. It's starting to come out. That's a metamorphosis. So today, if you wouldn't mind, um, take some notes, listen from your heart today and see what he would speak to you about today. Look over to your neighbor and say, hey, please be quiet because I need this stuff today, okay? (laughs) All right, because I have to take it home to a husband and he needs this, whatever you want to say. Well, here we go. Probably the bottom line of today is this. If you get one thing, get this. What God does in us while we wait is as important as what it is we are waiting for. Would you agree with that? And sometimes it comes out later. We don't even know at the time what he's given us or what he's doing in us, but it starts showing up. Well, I'm not talking today about the kind of waiting that we experience at the DMV. We've all been there. I'm not talking about the waiting that occurs at Costco while we're in those long lines. I'm not talking about the waiting in traffic on your way to work and there's an accident, and you're going to be late, I'm not talking about that kind of waiting today. I'm talking about the kind of waiting that He invites us in on to spend time with Him, and when we leave that time, it goes with us because it's in here. He wants to increase our strength, our faith, our walk, our hope. He wants to do so many things, and yet sometimes we find ourselves a little too busy. Well, there's two things that happen. One is we realize that we're not in control. And the sooner you and I get there, I think the better our lives will be. Uh, There's things that happen to us that we're not in control over. And then there's things that happen because of us, things we kind of mess up on. But for the most part, he is in control. We're not. He is God we're not and the faster we get there we'll start living out a little bit of a, a different kind of life because it's coming from him and we're not exhausted because it's all coming from us if there was one term that describes the state of affairs today it's in the lives of people today it would be overload overload it shows up every day in our lives as weight we are overwhelmed, overworked, overcommitted, or I should say over anxious, overmatched, overextended. Our tanks are on empty and we're running on fumes. Have you been there? Have you been there recently? If you're not there now, you will be again and again sometimes. We're gonna we're find that very familiar cycle. The picture that comes in mind is a treadmill. And on this treadmill, we're running as fast as we can to keep up from falling off the back. You're looking for the button. You're trying to get your breath. And you can't seem to find how to shut the thing off because it's just going, going, going. You're on it and you're actually not going anywhere. That can be life sometimes when we're overwhelmed. It just feels like we're given everything we have and more, and we're not really moving ahead. It's a treadmill. So we keep running for weeks, for months, and maybe years. And we are running with a large backpack on our backs, and they're full of the pretty important things in life. You know, things like our family, careers, Uh, financial plans, personal goals, and all those to-do lists. And we are not at our best. In fact, we're worn out and we're exhausted. And we wake up every day thinking, what's going to happen today? Will there be a, a bit of relief for me? Will there be a moment of clarity today? Overload is really just another way to say, That we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed sometimes. The thing is that not everyone is overwhelmed for the same reason. And even you and I, we experience being overwhelmed at different times for different things. I I thought of three things. One is some of us are overwhelmed by the pace of life. Some of us are overwhelmed by the pressures of life. And some of us are overwhelmed by the pain of life. There's different things that go on in our lives. There's different pressures around us, and there's sometimes a faster pace that we can't even keep up with. And as you take a look at this today, what did you think of of these three that you are encountering right now, or maybe two things, or maybe three? These things will wear us out. They will cause us to feel overloaded and overwhelmed, and we've all been there. Aren't you thankful that God in his mercy sent his son to die on a criminal's cross for you and not only now have that opportunity of having a relationship with him, but then he gives us the very power to live it out But if we're not living out with his power the things he's called us to do, we're going to experience being overwhelmed. Guarantee it. This life in Christ was never, ever created for us to say, thanks God, I'll take it from here, I can do this. (laughs) Am I the only one that's ever said that? Wow, I used to say this thing quite often when I was in youth ministries years ago. And it was this statement that I would say every once in a while just to help us all realize what life's all about. And it goes like this. Every single day that you and I do not ask for his help is the day we say to him, huh, I can do it myself. That's a statement you need to look at today. What's going on in your life today or in your family's life today where you're saying to him, I can do it myself? And that's the day you say to him, I can handle it. I'm in control. And if I need your assistance, I know where you are. And how many times the heart of the father saying, the very thing you need is what I offer. And I'm just asking that you come Spend some time with me so I can talk to you and and place some things in your life as you're waiting on me that will actually increase your faith, your hope, and your strength. I've got so much for you and I want to give it all to you, but you're running around and you're, you're moving too fast and you're not still. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Let's take a closer look. I'm going to talk about three lies that we have bought into in our world. Lie number one, you can have it all. Lie number two, you can do it all. And lie number three, you deserve it all. These, if not looked at, can become... Sometimes what drives you in life to try to reach for and can waste a lot of resources, a lot of time, and can waste a a lot of life if we're looking for these lies to try in some way to be fulfilled in our lives. Well, here's a quote from an old preacher. Can't go wrong here. The devil doesn't have to send trials, said the old preacher. He just sends too much of the good thing and lets us kill ourselves trying to enjoy it. Wow, that is so true. Uh, write that one down, take a picture of it, whatever you need to do to remind you that sometimes the enemy is not throwing evil our way, he's just throwing us so many good opportunities to do life without God that we try to do it. And that can be, a, that can be an owie moment. Well, Jay, Jay Packer, uh, a great author, says this about... Um, Experiencing hopelessness when you're overwhelmed, it skews the way you see things. He calls it hopelessness. He says this, if we come to think or feel that we have no, uh, nothing to hope for and can only expect things to get worse in the future, we will grow in depression and to a degree we'll become desperate. We may try to hide our condition, but the unfocused rage, fury, and hatred of life that we feel, it works in us like acid, dissolving all other feelings into basically bitterness. Hopelessness is at the root of many of today's psychological disorders. And even when hopelessness is only fitful and intermittent, a mood that possesses until it passes, it still makes us feel alone, afraid, and paralyzed for action. Then he finished up by saying, we find that we cannot make decisions nor bring ourselves to doing anything. Our sense of self-worth dissolves into self-doubt, self-destruct, self-dislike, causes our confidence to be swallowed up in despair. And we find ourselves in a tunnel that has no light, At the end of the tunnel, only deeper darkness, eventually a blank wall. Wow. Well, I'm not here to depress you, but I'm telling you some things today to help you so you don't get to this place. I don't want you continuing to see life and life is on your own without his strength. I don't want you to leave this place without knowing that our father is in us. And wants to walk alongside of us every day, not just in us, but alongside of us. I want you to experience not only the love and the forgiveness, but the strength and the power that He brings and provides so that we can enjoy life with Him, regardless of what's going on around us. Someone said that happiness is based on things that happen around us. I won the lottery, I'm happy. I got a new car, I'm happy. Joy, on the other hand, is inside of us that happens not as a result of things around us, but basically our relationship with Him. It's a byproduct of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Joy is something inside that goes with us. It's joy that people see at work. It's joy that they see You and your neighborhood, there's something different about you. You're not up and down because that's happiness. But joy is continual. In the midst of your life going south, you're going to have joy still because of Christ. Sometimes the Lord speaks to the winds and the storms of our lives and there's a great calm. Well, that's that's on the outside. But what he does best is he speaks to our hearts inside and causes us to be still, even though the storm around us rages. Have you gone through those times? You might be in a hospital waiting room, waiting the results of a loved one, or uh, just been in an accident, and you're not even sure if everyone in your car is okay. And there's this peace that comes. There's this joy that we have that whatever happens, Lord, I'm in you. Whatever is on the outcome of what I'm looking for, I'm still in you and you're still in control. In 1970, wow, six or seven, um, I was at a youth winter camp and we were packing up, getting ready to head off the mountain and uh, my best friend and the... Um, worship leader that we brought in for the weekend and about two youth and all the luggage and guitars and everything they had were loaded up in my friend's car. Well, they went off ahead of us and they probably left about an hour, well, about an hour before we did. And so it was getting late in the afternoon and when we finally left, it was really getting cold. There was a storm coming in and this coldness covered the area and caused all the the wetness to become black ice. So you can't even see what's going on and you don't even know if you're hitting a patch. And so as the group and I left, there, all of a sudden about, I don't know, 10 miles down this mountainous road, there was a lot of traffic. It was moving, but there was a lot of uh, slower traffic in front of us and we wondered, oh my, what's going on? Well, sure enough, when we got up ahead we could see that a car had um, probably hit black ice and rolled and was upside down, and the car was just devastated. It, you couldn't even see what kind of car it was. And I looked, and as I saw the color of the car, I, I saw that it was my friend's car. And there was a tow truck there, so it had happened um, already, and. And I didn't see anyone there. I didn't know if they were okay. I don't. I don't know if they're in the hospital. I don't know if they died. I just didn't know. And and so I, as we drove by the truck, the tow truck, I asked the driver, "Hey, are they okay? Do you know anything about the people that were in this car?" And at the time, I didn't know. It was a flippant answer, but he said, "Ah, they carried them off in a meat wagon." My heart just sunk. We had about a half hour more of driving on this road, even to the first hospital. My heart was just crushed. And I uh, began to pray. Begin asking God for help. And in the midst of my not knowing, I can tell you I experienced something. It was the peace of God that came over me. I was was shocked. And I began to go with the peace of God. And I realized in that moment, I may not know what has just happened, but He does. And He's in control. And the Lord said something to me. Isn't it cool when you're quiet and you're waiting on God? He talks. I I think he's always talking. I don't know if we're always listening. That moment I could hear him. And he said, do you trust what you see? Or do you have faith in me when you can't? That was a great question for me. Not only for that situation, but in my life at that time. Well, we got to the first hospital, there was two that we would visit on the way home, and the first hospital had no sign of them, didn't know who my friends were, and they were obviously not there. So we got back in the car, still praying, and still believing. Went to the next hospital, same story, nothing there, they're not there we ended up at the church parking lot where all of us were to meet and get into our own cars and take off and walked into the church and they're sitting there talking. Now, remember what I saw. I saw a car that was so crumbled and and shaped that you couldn't even tell what kind of car it was with no one in it. I also heard a tow truck driver tell me they hauled him off in a meat wagon. And that peace of God that was in me continued. And I said, Lord, if this was just for me today to understand, number one, you're in control, and I don't have to see it to believe it. I can by faith believe you and and trust you for the things I don't understand. It was a great lesson for me. The Lord will bring you through situations like that So there's things that are going on inside of us when we're waiting on him and we're living our life in him that show up later. So that moment in the in the in the 70s for me has been now a lifetime reminder and the Lord will bring me back there several times. He's done that. And it's an opportunity to see what he told me and now how it's been played out over the many years and he reminds me once again, trust me. Once again, the peace of God is going to go beyond what you know, right? So, I love this thing. I love that we have a relationship with the Lord. Because come what may in this world... I really don't care because I've got my relationship with the Lord who created all this, who's instrumental in moving nations and creation. He's just amazing. Why would I not want to spend time with him? Why would I not want to just bow at his feet? letting him put his arms around me and to hear his heart on his chest. He is God and I'm not. I need him. And the funny thing is, he needs us. (laughs) His only plan in all this is that he would be seen and heard through us, his church. It's his only plan. So if we If we think about what we are listening to, sometimes the Lord is waiting on us. (laughs) If you think about it, it's not just about us waiting on Him. Sometimes He literally is waiting for us to get to the place where we trust Him, that we walk in Him. And there's things He wants to do in this community, in this city, and He's waiting for the people of God to trust him, to grow up, to mature so that we can be used in even a greater way. So it's not about you and I. It's really about God's plan that we truly wait on him. So what happens when we wait on him? What what happens in us and through us? What would happen if we begin to see him as big and our problems as small? That's a reality check. That's a waiting on God moment where I see who he is. I'm spending time with him and he's showing me what he wants to do in my life or he gives me what I've been asking for or don't even know I need. That's the kind of relationship we have. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. And in the midst of us being overloaded and overwhelmed and life's tough, it's a pace, it's a pressure, it's a pain, all these things In the midst of all that, he says this. Are you tired? Worn out? In fact, are you burned out on religion? Come to me. That's right, come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest, a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Can you say amen? If you didn't agree with anything today, you can agree with that. Because those aren't my words and he backs it up. He doesn't promise or invite you to experience anything that he already has the goods to show you he's got. He just wants you to no longer have it as an experiential. He wants it experiential and not head knowledge, and we have to wait on him to get it. Jesus is for us. He loves us, And not only is He for us and He loves us, but He offers us something that only He can offer. There's a lot of great abilities and gifts and talents that you have that God wants you to use. But with all that He's given, there's another element. It's His deposit in us to make the things that He's given us extend the kingdom that we can't do by ourselves. Maybe you've not seen yourself that way. You're, you're truly a, a kingdom extender. You're a kingdom dweller. And in the extending of the kingdom, he operates through our lives every day in some way. So we're not just dwelling with him, we're also kingdom extenders. We, we extend what he's doing. Well, here we go. Isaiah 40, you knew it was coming, 29 through 31. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what's happening to me. These are all question marks, things that we've said in some way. Don't you know anything? Another question. Haven't you been listening? Another question. God doesn't come and go, God lasts. He's creator of all you see or that you can imagine. We're still finding out through the NASA programs what's out there, that he's spoken to existence with his words. It's still creating. That just blew my mind. The pictures that we're getting back over the years with the new technology that we have, just to confirm That our creator loves to create. And we get to see some of it. And that's just the worlds that we see. But then he continues here and he says, he doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. I get tired. I need to be energized. He gives fresh strength Strength to dropouts. (laughs) And yeah, and he's not talking about school. He's saying that there's times you run and you get so weary that you are so to the place where you just drop over going, I can't go another dropouts. For even youth or young people will tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime will even stumble and fall So he's not talking about our strength or else he would have said it there. The strength he's talking about you're not born with or you will not achieve it in your own self. It's a strength that comes to you because you're hanging out with him. It's a waiting on the Lord to renew your strength. That's where it comes from. It's not of you, but it's in you if you take the time to draw in to dwell in that's the kind of strength that we're talking about and that's the kind of strength that you and I need and then he says let me give you an example cuz i don't know if you really understand this they spread their wings and soar like eagles they run and they don't get tired and they walk and they don't lag behind there's so much i'm learning in this i'm just going to share a little piece of it i found out there's three different ways of flying one is, a, is flapping, one is gliding, and one is soaring. A lot of birds out there, there's only a few that can soar, and eagle is one of them. And these three methods of flying, um, you're going to find that when you first come to the Lord, it's a lot of flapping. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mess. And I guess flapping means that you've, the little bird, like a hummingbird, for instance, get a picture of a hummingbird. They're so fast, but they're they're going, they're flapping so fast, they're they're just staying still in the air. That's flapping. I think they're one of the smoothest birds that flap. Other birds, you can almost hear them like, "Eh, eh, eh, eh," and when they don't flap, they fall. And so flapping is probably an elementary. Process. And if you're a Christian and you're a flapper, just hang in there. It gets better. Just keep flapping until you get to the next one. Well, then there's gliding, and gliding means they work really hard. It's kind of like flapping, but there's something that diff there's different things going on. When they get up to a certain height, then they start gliding. And it's like, ah. It's like the roller coaster that's going up. Finally, when it's up on the very peak, it goes down and it's like, wow, this is so fun. That's the gliding. But the problem with gliding is it's temporary because you're always moving down. Force of gravity is pulling its powers on you, so your gliding is temporary. It's fun, but it's not uh, ongoing. So we have flapping, we have gliding. Eagles are different. He didn't say... I want you to be like the flapper, and good luck with it. Hope you go far. Just keep flapping. He doesn't say, just glide. Just climb as high as you can, and then just coast. Just enjoy it, because it's coming to an end. No, he says, I want you to soar like eagles. Now, this part blew me away. You, You can look this up. Eagles are obviously able to fly some high heights, and a, and they build a nest high so that no predator can ever get that high. But I don't know how often. I don't even know if it's yearly. But these guys have tremendous wind cover or a wind, not wind, but wing coverage, and they're just mighty. But they get worn out. The feathers get worn out and so what the eagle will do is he starts to pluck out these amazing feathers so now he can't fly and even takes his beak that he has weaponized to use to eat and he starts busting up his beak. So now he can't eat, he can't hunt, he can't fly, and he's up so high that even if he got out of his nest he would die. So why does he do all that well that whole process the lord is saying sometimes there's a weight that i've called you to where you come to the end of yourself and you give everything you have in exchange for everything new i'm going to give you so you can fly higher that you can soar better and your wings are more powerful and you have more strength and if you didn't do that There would be a time when all these weary feathers would not give you the strength and the abilities that you're known for. It's kind of a renewing process. It's a, uh, I'm waiting on this process and on the other side of waiting on this process, I will be renewed. And I will be like I've never been before because I've gone through this waiting, this process That's what I love about eagles. The story about eagles is he wants us to be eagles, not flappers, not gliders. In your walk with him, let's move on. Let's wait on him to increase strength so that we can enjoy soaring. Now, here's the thing about soaring and the eagle's ability. Not only is he created to handle great forces, but he is determined to look for currents in the air. And when he senses a heat current, he gets into it because these heat currents up there moves everything up. So now without any great ability, just him knowing where the currents are, he's being elevated. He's, he's rising. And his great wing is is held in the thermal waves that are up there some have said that eagles have been measured to fly over 80 miles per hour and guess what they're not flapping they're not gliding they're soaring and so they go higher and higher and higher and higher and they're not flapping they're not even gliding they're soaring God says, "I want that to be you. I don't want your effort. I don't want your abilities. I want you to soar with me. Let me be the wing, or the wind in your wing. You know, someone said, "Are you a mushroom or an oak tree?" I was a little offended. Because if I understand it correctly, a mushroom grows overnight like crazy. It's like, they're there. We put AstroTurf in our backyard. It's the only way we can keep a green lawn. And uh, I was out there picking up stuff and I, I, I tell you, it was not there. But the next day I went out there and here's, here's about a four inch mushroom that came out of nowhere. Boy, those things can grow fast. But they're gone really fast, too. Well, he doesn't want us to become a mushroom. He wants us to be an oak tree. More work involved, right? There's, there's years and years of structure that we don't see that's happening underneath with the roots. And, and the strength of the root is the strength of what we see. It's able to hold on. And then when you're in a forest, these oak trees actually hold on to each other. and becomes a massive, massive strength. Well, I was thinking about trees, and I turned my attention to the Chinese bamboo tree. I, I just, flat, I lost it. It was so incredible. When you plant a Chinese bamboo tree, and I know you're not going to believe me, it may take three to five years for it to, to start showing on the upward side. Because of what's going on down below, we can't see. But three to five years of roots growing, 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 growing. And needs to grow because of what happens. It needs that strength, that security, that foundation. Because then they say sometime between the three and five, mainly the fourth or fifth, this thing starts shooting out of the ground. And it can grow 90 feet in 90 days. 90 feet in 90 days. Well, when did it start growing? Well, not in those 90 days. I'll tell you that. It was three, four, five years of growing deep a foundation and when it had become of age it grew like crazy i don't know if i want to be a chinese bamboo or an oak tree but whatever he has in plan for me i ha- i know it has something to do with my roots growing down deep in jesus drawing up who he is in me and and allowing me to experience the things he had in plan for me the whole time i don't want to be a mushroom I want to be an oak tree. I I want to be a Chinese bamboo tree. So when people see me, they see him. I know him. He didn't do that. That was a God thing in him. That's what Abraham experienced. The Lord had to wait for Abraham to get so old he was unable on his own to produce the gift child that God wanted him to have. And at the end of what he and his wife could do, Then the promised child came. And what was the meaning of this child's name? Do you remember? Laughter. Wasn't it? Like, this is hilarious. God has some amazing things for you. Well, number one, waiting on the Lord requires patient trust. So that means waiting means that we give God the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing. Waiting is God's way of seeing if we will trust Him before we move forward. Number two, waiting on God reminds us that God is in control. Waiting reminds me that I am not God, He is. Number three, waiting on God allows God to do His work. God's timing is is perfect. Perfect. And though you may not see... On the outside, there's a work that God is doing in the inside that is needed before what we see occurs. You follow me there? Sometimes He has to go so deep in us and through us to get us where we are that will handle what is needed And what he wants to do in and through us that's magnificent, that we can't do by ourselves. There's some good stuff in there. Well, waiting is a process of becoming what God wants to do in us. Very quickly, I'll share this story. Uh, A number of years ago, when uh, when we had our 501c3 uh, ministry called Pacific Surge, it was a training equipping ministry for student leaders and youth workers in the city. Uh... There was a weekend where some buddies of mine from Texas, where we used to live for three years, wanted to uh, do a retreat with me. So I found a place for us to meet, and he goes, basically, all we're going to do is just wait on the Lord. And that's all we said. So they flew in, picked him up. That night, we went to the retreat ground, and uh, we had some dinner together, and then we got back to the room where we were staying, and we just started waiting on the Lord. No skits, no music, no Frisbee golf. I mean, we were just there, shades closed, us three in a circle on the floor, and we were just starting to wait on the Lord, to seek Him, to pray, to... And, and this is the great thing. In the two days that we were there, we walked through three scriptures. That's all. There was three segments to these two days, three parts of the scriptures that we walked through, and that's all we did. I guess you would call it marinating or meditation. Uh, the true meaning of meditation, just a side note, when a dog starts eating a real bone, He'll work on it for days, and he'll even bury it and come back and chew on it some more. He just loves it because this hard bone, he's meditating on it. What does it mean? Well, he's chewing and chewing and chewing on the bone. He's marinating on it until the bone disappears. That's meditation. When we meditate on His Word, that's what it means. We want to meditate on it so that it becomes in me. Another psalm says, I hide the Word of God in me so I don't sin against thee. Right? That's that's what that means. You want to get the Word in you so it's in you. So it's doing its work. And the Word will not return void. We've heard that. That literally means that the Word of God is on a mission aimed at you and will not go back or, until it's completed that mission in you. That's why I think the Lord is waiting for us. So here we are. Today's we celebrate Pentecostal Sunday. We look back in our church's history, not our church, but the church. The church was birthed when Jesus came back to life and told them to go into Jerusalem and wait for me, and the promise will be given. Remember this? Well, not go home and read Acts 2, 1 through 47, because this whole story is now that I've done what I did and it's finished, I get to do in you what I've never been able to do in you. And I just birthed the church. This is this is way beyond going to a temple. Now, this is you are the temple and I'm in you. Let's go. And I'll give you the very power you need because you can't do this by yourself. So when they were waiting on him, and my, my brain kind of goes this way, when you're with that many new Christians, they're not only waiting on the Lord, but they're going, oh shoot, he's here, I owe him money, or I said something really bad. So thoughts like that were occurring. Oh no, there she is, hello, hi. So they had to get right with each other. Not only were there some sorries going on, but I'm sure there was some encouragement going on, like, hey, come here, brother. Thank you for praying last year for me when I went through that thing. I'm here because of you. So there were some affirmations, there was some encouragement, there was some forgiveness. Why? Because the community was getting right and the community, when it was right, would receive a power that was needed to be communion with him that would radically change the world. And it wouldn't come until they were waiting on him. So 10 days later, but 10 days later, they heard a noise and it was wind. And the wind came into this room. And then not only wind, but they started to see on top of each other's head like fire. And then as they're in this time of waiting on him, they're going, Wow, and then when they began to speak, they were speaking languages that they never learned. But more than the outer signs from the wind to the uh, fires to the language, that wasn't it. But what occurred was something inside that's literally called dunamis power, like dynamite. And that power was given not only to birth the church but to birth believers that they're in a a new tribe, a new kingdom, and they were given now the power to become witnesses of this. Wow, what do we need in our life when we wait on the Lord? I want some of that. I want to do whatever it takes for me to be in the position of getting my strength increased in the Lord, or I should say His strength in me that will increase me. I, I want to be in the way of that. I want to be waiting for that. I want to be growing my roots down deep in him so that who he is and what he wants to do begins to flow through me. It took 10 days. Acts 1.8 as we close. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samarita, as as also the ends of the earth. Let's pray. I'm going to have Amy come as we kind of finalize this moment. Am I asking God today for help? Or am I saying to Him, I can do it myself? Am I in the position today to realize where I'm at? I'm overwhelmed, I'm overloaded, but not willing to wait on Him? But to be in a season of learning how to wait on Him. I need it. You need it. We need it. Our city needs it. Our world needs it. And God is waiting to come. He's saying, no, just come. I'm going to do it. I just need you. So while no one's looking around, as we close off in a time of reflection, right where you are, make that the altar today. And I want you just to physically stand before the Lord today, saying, Lord, I'm standing. And by my standing, I'm saying, I want more of you I want you to increase my strength. I'm tired of doing things with my strength. And I realized how worn out I am. And this is not a guilt thing. All of us are going to go through seasons. It's just that where are you today and what do you need from him? Then while we wait, watch him do some great things in you even before he gives you what you need. So if you want to stand, stand now. If you want to come down to these altars, there'll be um, prayer workers ready to pray for you. But I just sense in my heart today that God is calling us to come closer, closer. And I'll tell you that last part of the story that I didn't finish. When I was at that retreat and I came back to a board meeting that night, one of the board members a week later called me and said, when you guys walked into the room, you guys were glowing. And I saw the glow on you and I thought, I want that. And he started to wait on the Lord at home and on work. And he said, I want, I want the evidence of time spent with him on my life. Lord, for those that have to go and those that are coming, however they need to respond to you, would you now work a work in us as we wait on you That you would increase our hope because you've increased our our perspective of who you are and that you're in control. We're not a soaring God. (laughs) We're flappers and we're we're gliders. Only you can make us into an, uh, an eagle that soars. So let this world now see what you are now doing in us, that it would show up out there. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen.